Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. The book of Colossians is really just a letter written by the Apostle Paul. Now what's happened is, is that he's writing, writing to a church in Colossae, to the, to the Colossians, and this is a church plant that has existed for about eight to ten years. The church was planted by a guy called Epaphras, and at this very moment, there is some bizarre and new and strange teachings that have begun to creep into the church. And it's only 10 years old, you know? 10 years earlier, the church was planted by Epaphras, who actually got saved when he heard the gospel, when Paul was preaching on one of his missionary journeys, probably in Ephesus. And he's heard these foundational principles that you should base a church on. And with those ideas and with the, the gospel message in its purest form, he's gone back and he's planted this church. But now here we are, eight, maybe 10 years later, and it started to go off track. So he goes to Paul. Now the year is 62 AD. And it's so unfortunate because when we read this, I, I bet that Paul would have loved to deliver what we're about to read in person. He probably would have preferred a face-to-face conversation with these people, but there was a problem. Right at the time when he, Epaphras comes to him, in the very same year, Paul got arrested. And because he was arrested, he was put in prison. And because he was put in prison, he couldn't be there. So he decides to write a letter instead. And I think that it's awesome because do you know sometimes how we try to understand what God's doing? Like, God, where are you? How come Paul's in prison? Why did this happen to me? I think we're so blessed that actually Paul was in prison because if he had this face-to-face conversation, we wouldn't have this letter. And the reason why that is so good It's because everything that Paul was dealing with 2,000 years ago is happening in the church today. So we get to read this and lean into what Paul said to a church that was in the same situation. Are you with me tonight? All right, awesome. I'm going to read to you from Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 15. It says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord... So walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us of all our trespasses or all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. 
He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. That is a pretty amazing scripture. I want to preach a message to you guys tonight, which is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Let's pray. God, I thank you for every person that's sitting here tonight. And I thank you, God, that you've got plans and purposes for them. And I thank you, God, that everyone that's here tonight is not here by accident. And even if we decided to come at the last minute, what seems random to us is planned by you. God, tonight I pray that as we listen to what your word says so simply, that, Lord, that we'd be transformed by it, that we'd be changed by it. I pray, God, tonight that we would just have open hearts and open minds as we lean into your scriptures. I pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, so listen to this. Earlier this week, I did a little bit of research and I found the thing that I'm about to tell you on the internet so you know this is definitely true, all right? What's more is I found it in the uh, American Science Journal. So it's written by Americans and it's on the internet so we know it's absolutely true, okay? So, so but this is what I discovered, is right. You can measure the size of a human brain. Okay, everyone, you probably knew that, but I don't know if you're aware of this, but you can't measure the size of its capacity. You can't measure somebody's memory. And as I began to read about this, I discovered that actually when it comes to memory, it's stored in your mind like a computer stores information. If the memory is bigger or larger or greater, it takes up more space. And I've heard all kinds of things about the way that memory is stored. And what happens is if your brain thinks that you don't need some kind of piece of information to make room up front for the memories that you need to access, then it can file it deep and far back in that filing cabinet somewhere where you're probably not gonna read it or access it because you don't really need that memory anymore. I read that forgotten memories make space for new memories. And the thing is that I've discovered about this is that actually my brain and I have never had a conversation about which memories are the ones that I should be keeping. No, I'm serious. Like sometimes things are in my brain and then I just lose them. And my brain never consulted me at any point and said, will you be using this at any time in the future? So it is as if my brain selects without my knowledge, without my participation, it selects the memories it no longer believes that I need and it just moves them somewhere into that back filing cabinet because it thinks that I don't even need them. So what I have started to do is I got an app, a new app on my iPhone. I know that doesn't sound like something that I would do, but, but I did. I love discovering new apps. And so I downloaded this app. It's a task app. It syncs with my uh, Outlook my Office 365 account so that I don't forget anything because I don't know which thing I'm gonna forget. So literally, I, I write it down because I go, Brain, is this one of the memories that you would delete without my knowledge? And you don't know what you don't know, so you don't even know when it's gone, right? <laughs> so let me, let me show you how this has played out in my life. The other week, I went to 
take my kids to school. And as I went to get them into the car, I started to look for the keys to the car. And I couldn't find them. And the thing about this is normally I'm, I'm, I can be a patient person, but when I can't find something, I mean, I can get to like an eight or nine pretty quick. You know, it's like it drives me crazy, especially when I think I know where it should be and I go to that place and it's not there. And, and this drives me insane. So, so in my house, I am turning everything upside down. I am lifting up couches. I'm looking under couches. I am searching down the back of, you know, things and behind beds. I have turned the kitchen inside out. Did it fall into the cutlery drawer? I don't know, but I checked and it wasn't there, okay? So I am looking everywhere for these keys. And I'm telling you, I'm a nine. I'm hitting the 10, all right? I'm hitting the 10. I'm getting mad. I'm getting frustrated, right? And as in, in, in all my frustration, I get to the point where I go, there is no way I can get the kids to school on time. And I'm so disappointed. I'm like, I have no idea where the keys are. And I sit back just to relax and I slide my hands into my pocket and I find that key in my pocket where it was the entire time. Now, if that's not frustrating enough, here is my point. Why did my brain elect to delete that memory, it obviously thought, he's never going to use this. I needed it two minutes later. I mean, seriously. Why would my brain delete an important piece of information like that? It's like, he's never going to need this. Meanwhile, two minutes later, I'm turning the house upside down because I have no idea what I did with the keys two minutes ago because it doesn't consult me. We don't talk very often. It just deletes the things that it wants to whenever it wants to. And I started thinking about this and I'm thinking, man, some things are just worth remembering. Some things are just worth remembering. There are some things in life that you don't want to forget. And if you don't want to forget these things, sometimes it's good to write it down. Get a journal. Man, if God does something in your life, maybe you should write it down. So the next time you're finding yourself frustrated and saying, God, where are you? You see that he's faithful in your life all of the time. Some things are worth remembering. Write them down. Now, I thought to myself, you know what? I am told as I speak to people that as you get older, this stuff begins to happen to you more. Now, I'm turning 35 in about a month. I'm like, I'm turning 35 in a month and my brain is already deleting memories that I need. Pieces of information that are important to me. And I'll tell you the truth, right? I don't think this is an old person issue because my daughter, she will take the keys. I will see her run off with it. A minute later, she's lost them. Where is it? I'm trying to ask her. She has no idea where they are. It's like literally the keys go missing. I'm going to GPS track these things, all right? Because they go missing in my house and my daughter, she has no idea what she did with them. See, I don't think forgetting or deleting memories, I don't think it's an older person problem. I think it's a people problem. I think that sometimes our brains just let go of important information. And I've discovered that as you get older, you need to be careful about what your mind and what your brain begins to make room for. What is deleting to give you new information? Because sometimes getting new information, if it pushes out what you previously held to be true, 
it's not going to work for you. Uh, sometimes my wife and I, we, we are uh, driving in the car, and a song will come on, and I think I know the song. So I start singing along to it. And around the second verse, I realize I have no idea. I used to know this song. Verse two got deleted. I don't know where it went. I can't tell you. We, again, we didn't talk about this, all right? But it's gone. It's deleted. And I don't know. So you know what I do? I make it up. <laughs> and I'll tell you, this is church, right? So you know I'm not allowed to lie to you. So I've got to tell you the truth right now, right? I'm a pastor. I have to tell the truth, right? I write better lyrics than the people did. I mean, I'm good. I am good. And I start making up these lyrics. I'm like, this is, this is good. It's like, I should have written, you know what? I should have written this song. I, should, I could be a millionaire right now with the lyrics that I write in the car. Meanwhile, Sarah is totally disappointed. In fact, the other night we were, we were listening and she looks at me, I'm singing along to a song and I don't know the words and I begin to make it up. And she goes, look, you know what? If you don't know the words, just don't sing. We're getting counseling, we're working through this, right? I think it's actually a tactic because she just doesn't like the sound of my voice. But that's all right, she's allowed to be wrong, you know? So anyway, <laughs> this is the thing, like, you know, I, I, I wasn't involved in the deletion of these memories. It's just like, this happens to me. It's like it happens outside of my control. But you know what's funny is that when you have to get new information, sometimes your brain pushes out old information to make room for the new information. I'm saying to you tonight that you need to be really careful about what your, your mind, about what your brain begins to make room for because the accumulation of more information doesn't always make you smarter. Sometimes it just makes you more confused. And actually, that is exactly what's happening in Colossae right now. The scriptures that we read tonight, what's happened is these spiritual uh, gurus, these spiritual gurus have come into town. And here is this church that's like 10 years old. And these spiritual gurus, they say, hey, listen, we've got all this new information, this new teaching that you're not aware of. And like, you just, you don't know what you don't know. So these Christians are listening to that new information. And what's really frightening is they're beginning to push out what they used to believe to make room for what they're presently hearing. And they're beginning to let go of some foundational truths that have existed in the church for the last eight to 10 years to embrace this strange teaching that they're listening to the first, for the first time. Now these Jewish gurus and spiritual guides, they, were, they had some kind of Jewish background. But what they did is they began to mix in some pagan mythology with that as well, some pagan rituals. And so you've got sort of Judaism and, and pagan rituals and they mash them, them all together and they say, we have this new teaching which you absolutely have to hear, which you must pay attention to. And in fact, the truth is there were mystics. They were, more, they were probably magicians more than they were anything else. And they said, we have deeper insights and new pathways to God that you're not even aware of. And the problem is, is because this church has only existed for about eight years, nine years, 10 years. You got new Christians and some of them becoming really insecure by being in the presence 
of people that consider themselves to be superior intellects. Hello, uni students tonight. Because what they previously held to be true about God and about the foundations of the faith in the midst of this superior intellectual people, they began to feel insecure and they said, well, maybe we don't really know what we're talking about. Hello, uni students tonight. Come on, how many students do you know that go to uni and are surrounded by philosophy and, and new thoughts and new process and, and and in the midst of it all, they begin to push out what they previously held to be true because suddenly people around them that consider themselves to be superior intellectually, at least, and now talking into their ear. And since they don't know, they just decide that they're going to let it go. And what they end up doing is they begin to substitute the truth of what they've previously held for a lie, for something that's not true. Have you ever gone into a restaurant and uh, you order your lunch and then you say, I would like to have a Coke Zero with that. And then the person who's serving you, they say, oh, we don't have Coke Zero, but we have Diet Coke. <laughs> and you look at them and you think, aren't you supposed to be a professional? Why would you offer me Diet Coke? in place of Coke Zero. Do you even know what just came out of your... Oh, listen, I told you I have to tell the truth. Diet Coke is no substitute for Coke Zero. Everybody knows this, right? I mean, one tastes good, Coke Zero. Diet Coke tastes like fizzy water with sweetener that's been added to it and it's yuck. I mean, it's fizzy, they're both fizzy, but that's where the similarities end. It's like, what's wrong with you? Coke Zero is no, they're not even closely associated. Don't offer me Coke Zero, but you can imagine how the waiter or the waitress gets confused. I mean, after all, they're both 600 mil. They're both fizzy. They're both black in color. They're both labeled with Coke. It's just that one says Coke Zero and on the other one, it says Diet Coke. I mean, they look the same, but this is what I've discovered to be true about counterfeit truths is that they can be packaged the same way. They look the same way on the outside, but it's not until you begin to delve into it and look at the ingredients that makes up the product that you really understand it because counterfeit truths always look right from the outside. When you start to delve into the foundations of beliefs that you might be embracing and throwing out the foundations of Christianity, when you begin to drill down to find out what they're really about, they never seem to measure up or stack up. And I think that that is why the Apostle Paul, he says, you've received Jesus Christ as the Lord. In other words, he's writing to the church in Colossae and he's saying, listen, why would you begin to embrace any strange teaching that takes away from this message, which is that Jesus plus nothing is everything? Don't you understand something tonight? That Jesus is Lord. You've already accepted Him as God. So why would you need to add anything to that fundamental and basic truth and begin to embrace some kind of strange teaching? If Jesus is Lord and that's truth, you just need to know that. Don't add anything to it. It is simple and it's profound and it's profoundly simple, but it's true. And I feel like sometimes people just need to be reminded 
Because I've discovered something about people. They live out what they believe. And you do this too. You will live out what you believe. It becomes your philosophy. It's your approach to life. You just live it out. This is why Paul says, could you just walk in Him, walk in Christ as you've previously been taught? Because imagine the, the strange uh, situation that's unfolding where they've been taught how to walk in Christ, but they start walking a different direction because they're not walking in what they've taught so previously been taught. So Paul says, man, you got to do this. You know, when you're new to the faith, when you're new to Christianity, when you're a new Christian, you get taught all kinds of things that are true. For example, one of the things that you'll be taught if you're new to church, if you're new to Christianity, is that Jesus is God. And He wasn't half God, and He wasn't half man. He was the impossible. He was 200%. He was fully divine. He was fully man. All at the same time. He was the impossibility. And you get taught that. You get taught that Jesus is God. You are taught that He is Lord. You are taught that God loves you. You were taught that you can have a personal relationship with Him. And actually, you can ask Him things. You're taught that the Holy Spirit is your counselor. And because you're taught these things, when you're new in the faith and you go to God, you begin to put up prayers and ask for answers to things that are in your life. These are the things that people get taught. But I've learned something. It's just because you ask God for something, doesn't necessarily mean He's going to give it to you. Just because you go to God and ask Him and pray and you're looking for answers to prayers, to things that need to shift in your life, doesn't mean that God's going to immediately go ahead and do this because surprise, surprise, God has His own plans and purposes. You see, the thing is, and this is what I think has happened, is that sometimes new, if you're new to the faith, if you're a new Christian, you were taught that Jesus is your Savior. And it's true. And everybody loves Savior Jesus. I mean, He's there for you. And He forgives you of your sins. And He's gracious and He's loving. And He paid the penalty for your sins. And that's true. And I think sometimes people think that He's just the Savior, but they forget something that Jesus is also Lord. If you accept Jesus as Savior and forget that He's Lord, pretty soon you're going to find yourself in a place where you think that He lives to meet all of your demands. But why? He's your Savior. He's meant to save you every time. He's doing everything that you ask. But don't forget something, he's Lord. Did you know that Charles Spurgeon understood this and he comments on it and he says, in the book of Acts, the disciples refer to Jesus as Savior twice. And they refer to Jesus as Lord 92 times. 
I think they had a fundamental grip on the reality that yes, He is Saviour. Yes, He died for you. Yes, He wants to answer your prayers, but He is also Lord and He has His own plans and own purposes and He's under no obligation to do anything that we tell Him to. And if you don't understand that, you're gonna wind up in trouble. And this is where the Colossians were because they were looking for answers to problems that they were trying to solve in their lives. In Colossae, these spiritual guides, they came in and they said to the Colossians, listen, you're not getting your prayers answered. And they said, that's right. So you're praying to God and you're asking for the solution to your problem. They said, yeah, but nothing seems to be shifting. And they said, we know why you're not getting what you want. And if you embrace our teaching, and if you follow these steps, and if you follow this protocol, and if you do this incantation, and if you wear this piece of jewelry, and if you do all the things that we're saying, we guarantee you that you will move from problems to solutions and to a church that's asking God for help and needs it. They go, that sounds pretty good. And what happens is if you don't understand that Jesus is Saviour and Lord, when God doesn't do what you say, it opens you up to be exploited. Because what happens is, is that in your disillusionment, in the frustration of where is God, if you don't understand that He's Lord, all kinds of things begin to fill your mind. Like, why is He doing this to me? It's because you don't understand the fundamental truth that Jesus isn't just a Savior, but He's also Lord. And so what these spiritual gurus do is they come in and they say, well, we can add something to supplement your faith to make sure that you get what you want every time. And Paul knows this and he begins to write to the church and he says to, he says to them, listen, whoever you've got that's coming into the church right now, who's getting caught up in all kinds of wrong ideas and theology, like the worship of angels. And now listen to me, because this is what he says right after verse 15, he talks about worshiping angels. Listen to this. You don't worship angels. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love angels. They're here tonight. I'm glad they're here. They're very welcome here, but I'm not going to worship them. And in fact, if you ever find an angel that demands your worship, I guarantee you one thing, that's not the kind of angel you want to worship. In fact, most angels, that all the angels that are from God, they would say, don't worship me. They say, all oh, your worship should be going and directed towards God. He says, don't get caught up in worshiping angels because the spiritual gurus came in and they said, not only can we teach you how to worship angels, but we can teach you how to control the spirits. We can teach you when evil spirits comes towards you. We know you've got bad luck going on in your life right now. We know that you've got bad situations that are unfolding in your life. And we can show you a method, a strategy, and a, a way in which... You can eliminate all those things if you just embrace this new teaching. And with that in mind, they began to push out what they previously held to be true, which is what? Which is simply this message that Jesus is enough, that you don't need to add anything to him, that Jesus plus nothing is everything that you need. And they said, no, he's not enough. You need to add extra. You need to supplement your faith with other things. Do you know that they have done excavation on, on, on these cities in Colossae and they found like little amulets and inscribed on the amulets in the gold plating that, that, that have the amulets is, is like spells and incantations to ward off evil spirits. 
And so what these guys were saying is, it's great that you've got Jesus and Jesus is going to be okay. But if you really want to take care of those evil spirits in your life, just start to embrace these, wear this amulet and do this spell and you should be fine. And they're starting to listen to it. I had this girl that I used to work with when I worked in recruitment, this is my job before I was here. And she was Greek Orthodox. That was her background. Have you, ever, have you ever noticed that people that are oftentimes of European backgrounds, that they just think that because their great-great-granddaddy was something by birthright, they are too? And so she thought she was Greek Orthodox. She wasn't, but I didn't tell her. She didn't need to know. But she says, oh, so let me tell you, how do you deal with all the things that come at you? Like, how do you deal with the evil eye? I'm like, the evil eye? So tell me about the evil eye. It's like, oh, it's a curse that they put on you. And where does it teach in the Bible about the evil eye? Who's the person you have to go see to take that off you? Like a shaman or someone, you know? Who's the person you've got to see to take it off you? I'm like, what are you talking about? The evil eye? My answer to all spiritual problems and things that I face is a very simple one. It's Jesus. I don't need to go see some shaman and some spiritual guru to lift any curse off me. I stand in the position of blessed. I stand in the authority of God. I'm under Him. I don't need to add or supplement anything to my faith to overcome any spiritual attack or any spiritual opponent that comes to me. Why would I, as a Christian, go to darkness to cast out darkness from my life? I'm not going to do that. I just go to the light. I go to Jesus. He's my answer. He's my source. He's everything I need and nothing more. Nothing more. And so I said this to her and, and, and she couldn't believe it. She couldn't understand it because in her culture, in her culture, they had added something to Jesus. See, the thing is, when you begin to add something to Jesus, you get nothing because you don't need to add anything. And if you start to add it, you wind up with nothing. It's Jesus plus nothing that gives you everything. Do you know, I met a lady once and she, we just got into a conversation and she said to me, she said, oh, you were, uh, do you go to church? And I said, yes. And I said, I'm a pastor of a church. And she said, oh, that's wonderful. I said, thank you. And she said to me, well, what church do you go to? I said, oh, it's, it's called Activate Church. And she says, oh, so you're not Catholic. I said, no. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, what do you mean? She said, oh, only the true church is the church that Peter started. If you're not Catholic, you've missed it. I said, oh. <laughs> she was old, so I let her go. <laughs> I thought, I'm not going to win anyway. She was like 80 plus something. I'm like, she was set in her ways. She had no, I wasn't even going to bother. She barely spoke English anyway, so forget it. I, I, said, I said, oh, okay, well, God bless you and all the best, you know. It's, because she's wrapped up in a culture that teaches something that's not true. Can I tell you about the world that we live in? Just real, just honest, is that we've taken tradition and we've taken these different ideas about culture and mixed them together. I call it witchcraft. And it's branded as Christianity and it's being sold to millions of people around the world. And the only reason it can be sold is because people are pushing out foundational truths 
to make room for new information. And they have forgotten this very simple thing, which is that Jesus plus nothing is everything. And they don't know this and they don't understand this. And so in certain cultures, they begin to add things and little do they realize they're losing everything in the process. I, I hope that someone is new to church here tonight because I'm so glad that you're here to, to hear this. And I'm gonna tell you something right now. And this is so important that you get this. This is so important. You gotta listen in. Complicated paths don't lead us to God. Jesus does. Complicated paths, they don't lead us to God. It's that Jesus does. So you need to understand that deep is not complicated. Deep is not complicated. In fact, deep is profoundly simple. Do you know the deepest truths that Christianity has are the ones that we give you up front? We don't have special levels here. And when you ascend to the top, we'll tell you how it really is. We don't have that. Our best and deepest information is given to you up front. It's deep, it's profoundly simple, and it's the best information we have, which is simply this, that God loves you, that He cares about you, that you have a massive problem in your life. I don't care what you think is your biggest problem. Your biggest problem until you met Jesus was sin. And after you met Jesus, He dealt with it by taking your punishment on the cross and He forgives you for your sins, setting you free from the power of sin that would be in your life. That's as simple as it gets. It's as deep as it gets. It's profoundly simple. It's the best stuff we've got and there's nothing hidden. It's just this. I mean, it's just this. It's that Jesus plus nothing is everything. And I'll tell you why you need to know this. If you don't get this, you're gonna start to search for something that you already have. But I think if you just check your pockets, you might find that it's already on you. So why would you search for anything else? It's, you've already got it. You just need to maybe take a second look. It's on you, it's in you. You've got it already. It's all wrapped up in Him. Don't add anything to Him. You're gonna lose what you have. But if you hold on to what He's given to you, which is simply Him Himself, you have everything you need all wrapped up in the person of Jesus. But the moment you try to add something to Him, Paul says you get taken captive. You get taken captive. The word captive actually means kidnapped. But since it's hard to kidnap you because most of you are adults, let's just say... Let's just say that you get brain napped. You get brain napped. You get tricked. You get brainwashed. Now, who does the brainwashing and the tricking? Well, Paul already said that. He said that the, the ones that do the tricking are the elemental spirits of the world. Now, I already knew what that meant, but I just thought that I'd do my research so that I could comfortably stand here and tell you that I discovered exactly what those elemental spirits of the world are. Do you wanna know the truth? The elemental spirits are demonic spirits. They are demons, more like spiritual terrorists who encourage people to pursue culture, to pursue anything. Just don't pursue the truth that is Jesus plus nothing is everything. Because if they can get you to add anything to Him, you'll lose what you already have. In fact, this is what the Bible says about it. Paul writes another letter to the Ephesians and he says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know the hope 
or you, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who, to, who believe? According to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. And He sealed Him and, and, sorry, and seated Him at the right hand. That's a position of power and authority, I'll tell you, in the heavenly places. Now listen to this. Lean into the Scripture for just a minute when it says, Far above rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, that transcends the spiritual and the physical realms, anything or anyone that can be named, there is never coming someone who's more powerful than Him. Everything has been placed in subjection to Him. He goes on to say, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him His head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. You see, the Colossians, they're trading this truth for philosophy. For philosophy. Do you know what philosophy is? It's your approach to life. It's what you believe to be true about life. And they're trading truth for philosophy. You know, my, my mother-in-law, she, she got a new car. Uh, I went over to their house and I saw a new car sitting in the driveway and I asked her about it. I said, oh, wow. New car. She says, yeah. I said, what did you do with the old one? She said, well, I traded it in. I said, what, did you, what, what price did you get for it? She told me. And I said, and what did you pay for this one? And she said, I just paid whatever was on the sticker on the car. And I nearly had a moment. I'm like, you did what? Because... Being a person who loves to negotiate, you never pay the price that's on the car. That price is put there and they expect you to take them down. But she just paid what was on the car. I didn't tell her that she probably got ripped off. But I bet if she knew she was getting ripped off, she would have never have made that trade. And my submission to you is that there are people all over the world that are being ripped off and embracing philosophy and deceit and lies and if they knew that they were being ripped off, they wouldn't make the trade of truth for those things, but they don't get it. They don't know what they're missing out on. So they make the trade without realizing why, because they're looking for something that works for them. Come on. Hey, do you know anybody that has tried out Christianity for a little while and says that it's not really working for them? And you know, whenever somebody says to me, it's not really working for me, I always think, well, what were you expecting? Because it only doesn't work if it doesn't match your expectations. So you kind of got to go in with your eyes open, knowing what you should expect by having Jesus as both Saviour and Lord. I mean, honestly, the, in first place, first of all, when I read the Bible, I'm not aware. If the disciples, I'm not aware of any passage of Scripture that says that the disciples were going to get it real easy. I'm not aware of that. In fact, what did Jesus say? He said, you will be my martyrs, trans, oh, my witnesses, translation martyrs. Did you know of the 12 disciples, one hung himself, one lived to tell the tale, and the other 10 were martyred? It's not looking good. And he told them up front. 
He let them know everything because if they didn't understand these things and they got frustrated, they would have, they could have ended up being exploited. And I see this happen to people all the time. They sign up for something that they think is gonna happen. When I become a Christian, life is gonna be easy and God will do everything that they say. And when there's a gap between the problem and the solution, the devil comes and he exploits it and he says, do you know why you're not getting the answers to your prayers? It's because God is punishing you for that sin you did last week. Do you know why God is not answering your prayers? Because He doesn't love you. Do you know why God is not answering your prayers? Because He doesn't care about you. The devil will come and exploit that gap between problems and solutions. Only to, he only can do that because people don't know what they should expect from a relationship with Him. I mean, the reality is, is that we live in a fallen world. And I wish that the choices of other people, that they never affected me. But that is the cost of free will on the earth today is that everyone gets to do what they choose to do. And when they do, it has consequences attached. Let's not then go take the consequences of other people's bad choices and project them onto God and think for one second that He doesn't love us. That's the cost of having free will on the earth today. Jesus said, in this world, you're gonna have trials, you'll have tribulations, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You know why? He said that because you know what? This world is not all there is. That there is one that's coming after this. I mean, literally, listen to me for a moment. The Bible says, James says, your life is but a mist, it's but a vapour. You're here for like this much of this much. So why would you allow the frustrations, the disgruntledness, and the issues of life begin to, to corrupt your entire eternal journey because you're frustrated in this life. Secondly, and this is so important. Secondly, you don't get to live off the reservation and then get frustrated with the things that come your way. You can't just go off the beaten track and begin to make decisions that go against everything that God teaches about life and then turn around and say, hey, this thing called Christianity, it's not working for me. So give me something that works. You can't live off the reservation. I'll tell you this, the first 12 months I became a Christian, I lived off the reservation. I couldn't even find the path. I would come to church every week and I didn't even know why I did this, but I, I couldn't help it. I was drawn back to church, but when I'd come back, sometimes I would arrive in the clothes I wore out the previous night because I hadn't even been home yet. And I was tired and not in the mood for loud music, if you get what I mean, but I kept showing up. I mean, I lived off the reservation. I made all the wrong choices and I became frustrated at it. But how can I go ahead and make all these decisions and say, oh, this thing isn't working for me. The truth is, if you want any part of Christianity to work for you, you've got to participate. And Paul says the way that you participate, he says you can get baptised. Baptism is an outward expression of what has already inwardly been taking place. In fact, by the, and we got baptisms coming up in a couple of weeks. If you're not baptized, come see me, we'll do it. If you believe and confess that Jesus Christ has forgiven you for your sins and He's your Lord and Saviour, the next thing that's a good thing to do is get baptized. 
And what these spiritual gurus did is they crept in and they said, yeah, it's a step that's closer to God. Listen to me tonight. Baptism is not a step that brings you closer to God. It's an outward expression of what has already happened in your life. It's not a step. They said, oh, that's step one. They said, you know what step two is? You gotta get circumcised. Do you know why? Because the spilling of blood was the seal of a covenant. And they said, if you wanna live in the grace of God, you need the spilling of your blood to live in grace. But they didn't understand something. They were trying to supplement the sacrifice of Jesus Christ with the blood of individuals to say that that would be enough. They didn't understand that we already live under the covenant of grace. And there's no spilling of your blood that is required to access it. Because when Jesus died on the cross, His blood was spilt for you. His blood was spilt. So you need never spill any blood from that point forwards to live under that covenant of grace. That's where you are, requires nothing of you. And so tonight, what I'm telling you is that you need to throw out every single idea and concept that opposes this idea that says that Jesus plus nothing is everything. Don't add anything to it. You add something to it, you're gonna get nothing. But if you realise that it's Jesus plus nothing, that's when you actually get everything. And you gotta do it. I've realised that every other path traps you into believing that God works on merit and not grace because what happens is, is that you need to start adding something to get closer to Him, adding something to have your prayers answered, adding something. You don't need to add anything tonight. You just need to receive Him as He is. If you're looking for the key to your solution, if you're searching for the key to your problem and you're in between your problem and your solution right now, don't go out there searching for something to supplement what you already have. And if you check your pockets, you realise you already had it. You always had it. You didn't need to go out and look for anything else. You didn't need to add anything else. You always had the grace of God that was on your life. I think that sometimes we're tricked into fighting battles that Jesus has already won. We're in the search for something to add, to supplement our faith so that it can be better. You, you got everything you need in Jesus. You don't need anything else. Did you know that the Romans, the Roman Empire, when they would go to war with another town or city or another people group, when they would go to war and they win, they would march the prisoners to shame them. They would march them through the city so that all the people of that city could come out and they could watch these prisoners be marched through the city so that they could see them with their own eyes. And they would see them and they'd say, you were the ones that were threatening us. And now look at you, wrapped up in chains. You were the ones who was threatening our freedom. You were the ones who came knocking on our door and now you're being marched before us in chains. And Paul is writing to these guys, he's saying, don't you get it? the lies, the philosophy that you're being taught. He's saying this to the Colossians, the human tradition, the culture, the pagan rites, the shamans, the amulets, all the witchcraft and incantations that you could get. Don't you get it? You've been duped into wrestling for a victory that Christ has already given to you. Here you are, 
trying to fight and ward off evil spirits, you already had everything you need. And when you started trying to add something to it is when you lost everything because you thought that you could add something. He says, don't you get it? You can't add anything to this message. He says, if you read this, if you understand what Jesus was saying, he's saying that, or what Paul was saying, he's saying that after Jesus's death, he paraded all those elemental spirits that the Colossians were worried about. He paraded them right before them. When Jesus Christ died, what does it say? It says, He put them to open shame by triumphing over them that were already in chains. Listen to me tonight. By the time you became a Christian, Jesus had already defeated sin, sickness, disease. He'd already defeated those spirits. And now you don't need to add anything to be in a position of power. Jesus parades them before you. And you see them and you say, ah, I see you, elemental spirit of the world. I see you, spirit of depression. I see you, spirit of suicide. I see you, spirit that torments people. I see you, spirit that steals people's joy. I see you, spirit that that does that. I see you, you're chained up, you're wrapped up. You're not in power anymore. By the time you became a Christian, every spiritual battle that you needed to be won was already done. You just need to learn how to walk in it. So you can go ahead tonight and you can forget all your lucky charms and bracelets and crosses. Yeah, can I tell you this? The cross, you wear a cross around your neck. I see people do this. It means nothing to the enemy of your soul. He doesn't care. It's a symbol of something greater. It's not what hangs around your neck that matters. It's the confession of your mouth that declares that Jesus is Lord, that gives you power and authority over the spiritual realm. That's what you need. That's all you need. You can throw out your incantations. You can throw out the amulets. You can hang up your crosses, your religious artifacts, the enchanted bracelets. They are a copy. They are a counterfeit of something that's so much greater. It's called grace. It's called anointing. It's, it's the provision of God in your life. And I think if you check your pockets, you'll find that you already have that. And tonight, you don't need to go looking for anything else. You have everything you need because Jesus plus nothing is everything. And when you get this and you understand this, You won't go searching for anything else because you have everything in the person of Jesus Christ. Can we stand to our feet tonight? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.